Welcome back for another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as ever by my partner, Will Schroeder, startups.com CEO and founder. Uh, Will, there's this narrative in startup land that we've talked about before, which is growth, 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 right? And it's just always, always up and to the right. And that's the only narrative uh, that seems to matter in a lot of cases. But um, we've, we've had this debate, you know, a number of times and, and talked about, you know, sometimes getting smaller can actually be the right move. Um, and you've got a really interesting story um, that kind of encapsulates both growth and shrinkage all in one year. Uh, I think it'd be really cool to, to kind of kick off with that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think... I think just what you said, the, the, this narrative around it's always got to grow. Um, yeah. I'm not sure where that came from. I mean, we start at zero, so <laughs> growth is, is kind of a gift, right? right? It's important to begin with, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to grow when you start at zero. Uh, but I think the, the bigger point is we also have this mindset that if we have five people, then we can only have six. And I think what we should explore today, and I think what's what's worth digging into, and, and I'll certainly you know share a story where I learned this firsthand, is that we really need to be thinking about the startup, especially in, the, in these times, as the right size for the right moment. And sometimes that's bigger, sometimes that's smaller. We all seem to understand bigger, and, and, I, and I hate to say it, but I think we just take that as an assumption. Like if we're adding people, then we must be doing something right. And I think that, that in and of itself is a broken narrative. But 100%. the other side of it is, yeah, yeah. If, if we're if we're reducing headcount or reducing the size or the scope or closing an office or whatever it is that we're doing, uh, that that's somehow tantamount to failure. And I just Brave. don't think that's that's true. And so what I want to talk about uh, to start is an experience that I had at the very beginning uh, of one of my first startups, uh, a company called Blue Diesel, which was a, a web design agency. And we had a bizarre turn of events. Um, here's, here's what it looked like. In, in roughly the beginning of January in two, oh, 2007, geez, I'm going even further, 1997. <laughs> I forgot the 90s still exists. In 1997, time machine. Um, uh, things are going okay, but not great. I'm about $100,000 in personal debt, which may not sound like a lot, but I was maybe 21 at the time. Um, and, and at the time... Uh, we were doing everything right. right. We just weren't making any money, right? And that that happens. And so we're in a professional services business. So in good times, you don't make that much money. So when you lose it, you really can't get it back. On top of that, we're a startup. On top of that, we have zero capital beyond uh, you know whatever is on my Visa card <laughs> as far as <laughs> right. the, the unspent balance. And so uh, we're sitting in our offices and, and I have this conversation with the team. And I said, look, guys, um, we're not going to be able to continue to operate the way we've been operating with the overhead that we've got for much longer. You know, we're, we're kind of out of steam. I said, but it sucks because we're building a really good book of business. We just landed some great clients. We had Chase as a client. Uh, we were, we had Intel as a client. We just had these awesome clients, but we're not making any money. And I said, we need to trade growth for longevity right now. And at the time, I don't think any of us really knew what that meant because we'd been in business for like two years, but I really wanted to be in business for a third year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, uh, and we were sad at dough. Yeah. And so I said, look, let's, let's get rid of this office. Uh, we're going to have to cut back salaries. We basically have to make a, a ton of cutbacks, lean this thing up, um, and move back into my campus apartment. Um, and, and at the time, again, nobody had families or anything else like that. Most of us were still in college at the time. So it wasn't that dramatic of a change. But relative to the dollars that we didn't have, it was all the money in the world to us. Yeah. Yep. It's the difference between being around and not. 
Yeah, exactly. And so so we we pack everything together and the office was such a big a big deal for us. You know, I mean, it was our first office. We we bought our desks, we put them together uh you know, together like you know it was a it was a big unifying moment and it felt yeah. like all of that had kind of been stripped. And so it it didn't feel great. However, we end up going back to my apartment. Working out of my apartment wasn't that awesome either. And it didn't feel like we were growing something. But then something really interesting happened. One of the clients we were working with was a traditional agency, um, uh, an agency called GSW based out of Columbus, Ohio. Um, They'd been around for about 20 years, uh, had a relatively small staff, um, maybe 40 or so people, but a great agency. And we started having these advanced talks about what if we took the traditional side of the business and the digital side of the business and brought them together, which at the time was still a fairly novel uh, concept. And we ended up merging the agencies. And then something really weird happened. We had an opportunity to pitch uh, Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company, and had one of the most lopsided wins in agency history, about a quarter billion dollars worth of business uh, that would come our way, all in the same year. To put that into context, if you had had that in cash, there wouldn't have been enough room in your college apartment to store it all. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have. But, but it, it was such an incredible lesson where it, instinctively, Ryan, I think I knew that I wanted to trade uh, you know, longevity uh, versus failure. Right? You know, I'd rather be a smaller sure. version of who we are, but be around long enough to see this through. Um, and I loved what we were doing and I cared about what we were building. And if I'm being honest, I didn't really have anywhere else to go. <laughs> I would have been working at Blockbuster or something right. if not for that. And so, um, but but it was this really interesting thing where, where I would sit awake at night saying, what did I do? You know, like, like uh, is this broken? But then I kept coming back to this feeling that it's smaller, but it's not gone. And I started to think to myself after a while, what if this is just a blip and not a trend? What if this is, you know, just a smaller version of who we're supposed to be? And now that we know what we know, we can build up properly. And it turned out that may have been one of the most valuable lessons, I think, that I ever kind of experienced firsthand. Now, it had a wonderful ending, right? But that wasn't really the point. The wonderful ending was a reason to stick around. But I think the real point to all of this is growth isn't something that's always like you said up and to the right. Growth is something that has lots of different dynamics, has lots of different form factors, and I think we need to keep adjusting them until we get to where, we, where we're supposed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think it's really important, man. I, I like this concept of, of trading growth for longevity. I mean, and of course, you can do both sometimes. Um, but, you know, trading one wholesale for the other, trading growth for longevity, um, you know, if, if you just decide, like, let's burn it all, um, if that bet doesn't pay off, you're in dire straits, you're done, right? If the, right. If the bet says... Hey, let's let's back off a little bit. Let's slow things down a little bit, knowing that there's an essentially perpetual runway if you if you get things right sized. That is a sustainable and tenable situation. I mean, in your case, I mean, of course, hindsight's a lot easier to look at now. But with with Blue Diesel, when you when you shrunk that back down, had you not done that, you may not have gotten to the point where you landed that huge client. Right? You guys may have had to to shutter things before you got there, and then that story ends very very differently. So I think this notion that we need to to make sure that we're putting ourselves into a position to be around right next year, the year after, the year after. Um, and of course, growth is a part of that. But I think that to your point, if we get myopically focused on growth, we we can miss the opportunities um, or just not be around long enough to seize them. 
Um, and, and of course, this isn't just a, you know, a, a new founder kind of thing. You know, we're still going through these, even with startups.com, and this is nobody's first rodeo. Um, and yet we've gone through periods of, of, of growth and, and decline. Um, and we've done that with very specific uh, intent, which was to make sure that this business is bulletproof and ironclad and that we're going to be around for as long as we need to be to achieve the type of growth that we want, which isn't just to say user count or money, but the value that we bring to the market, you know, the team that we've built around us, all of those things, and some of them far less tangible than top line numeric growth um, are still super, super important. And some of those you only achieve with time. And so yeah. buying yourself that time, I think super, super important. Yeah, look, I think that uh, it's critical to constantly look at the business and say, um, you know, where can we add, but also where can we subtract? Yep. You know, um, we look at, you know, I'm our CFO, and, and as you know, we look at our, our, our P&L and income statement every single month, and we look at every single line item down to a $5 item. And we say... You said month. It's <laughs> <laughs> called day, right? <laughs> um, but it's such a healthy exercise because... I think for startups, if we're not constantly questioning every expense, every bit of our size, every endeavor, you know, we look across our product suite and say, what do yep. we still want to support? Just because we have it, it doesn't mean we need it. And I think a lot of people uh, have a tough time with that. They say, we hired Ted in marketing. And now that we have Ted in marketing, we always need Ted in marketing. Do we? I just checked. I don't see a Ted in marketing, man. I, I, I should know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to put good old Ted out of a job. But what I'm trying to say is, look, um, if if we're not constantly, you know, right sizing the business, then it gets away from us. And, you know, sometimes yeah. uh, we have a cataclysmic event. We just had COVID happen. And you're watching, you know, huge companies like Airbnb and Uber lay off massive amounts of people. Yes. Okay. Now, there's there's some interesting thought processes there. Right. And this, and again, if, in, if you look at, a, at companies as hyper successful as them and you say it still applies to them, it's kind of hard not to say it applies to you as well. For example, Uber just laid off, I don't know what it's like, six, 10,000 people, you know, whatever the number sort of doesn't matter. If Uber just laid off that many people, if Uber were, and they had to, obviously the whole world shut down. Yep. But is, is Uber going to hire back all of those people specifically in all of those roles with all of those initiatives? Of course not. Right. You know, nope. even as, assuming the world corrects a bit. If that's the case, then wouldn't it be safe to say that Uber should have been making those decisions months and years ago? And wouldn't it be safe to say that maybe a better version of Uber is 10% smaller, right? Is 10% yes. leaner. Yep. One of the things that, that Ryan, you know, I've been interested in your thoughts. Uh, we've done multiple rounds where we've had to let folks go. We've had to, um, not really in a mass layoff situation, fortunately, or knock on wood, we haven't had that, but um, where we've said, hey, you know, this this team doesn't make sense or this business unit doesn't make sense, what have you. Uh, but we've always said the same thing. Would we end up hiring those folks back? Also, by the way, not a knock on those folks. We're just talking about whether it fits for this business. And the answer is almost always no. And if the answer is no, doesn't that kind of tell you, you know, <laughs> like, like, like what you should be doing? Yeah. We just talked about this in the, in the previous podcast, which was around looking for opportunities in recession, right? And, and we were saying right. that, you know, in some cases, the recession can just be that alarm bell that goes off that reminds you, hey, it's probably time to do some cleanup. It's probably time to look around the house and see what we can, what we can put out beside the curb um, in terms of initiatives, in terms of, of product. Um, it's also a great time to, if not, you know, clean up the staffing line, 
at least make sure that everybody's tasked as appropriately as they can be. You know, one of the things Absolutely. that we've gone through and done over time is let's just make sure like, hey, is what they're working on, like they've been working on this for two years, right? And they've just been doing the same thing because that's what we told them to go and do. Is that still the best use of their time, right? And more important in a, in a time of recession or, or a time of crisis because the the context in, in the work in which they do may have changed. And so at that point, really, really, really important to make sure that you uh, that you kind of revisit what they're doing. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's not really a wrong time to do this. And as you said, you know, we go through the, the P and L in detail at least monthly, um, if not two or three times a month as as things happen. And through that process, you know, we stay really close to what we're working on, what it's costing us, and and it forces you to to kind of recalibrate those decisions on a constant basis, which I think is has been a huge part of the health of the business. And, and so let's stick with the the health of the business component. I think as for 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 the founders, for the executive team, the longevity of the business should be the the the, the focal point. I think again, yeah. too often yeah. growth is the focal point, and 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 nothing wrong with growth. I mean, you know, growth has tons of uh, positive aspects. Uh, has some negative aspects too, but um, generally, growth is good. Um, but uh, growth left unchecked is a cancer, right? Uh, yeah. it, it can breed the wrong culture. It can breed um, bad financial practices. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, so I don't want to say that that uh, if numbers are going up and to the right, everything fixes itself. That's not true. Conversely, nobody likes shrinking. Shrinking involves letting go of people. Shrinking involves yeah. canceling contracts with people you shook hands with. You know, uh, canceling office space leases, losing things. You know, so so I, I'm I'm not trying to suggest that obviously uh, that that shrinkage is is a good thing necessarily. But what I would like to focus on is whether you're growing or shrinking, that we're actually a little bit more focused on whether or not this is improving the longevity of the business. Because what yes. I'll argue is. Businesses win when they make it to the finish line, right? So we should be focused on being around long enough in whatever size or form we need to be in order to get to a finish line, because that's kind of what this thing's really all about. Yeah. And it's interesting. You talked about the, you know, the multifaceted um, aspect that is growth and that sometimes it's, it can be, you know, have a, a cancer within the company. It can be a detriment to the company. And I think that one of the places we see this manifest most often is in the, the life of the founder, right? And, and often yeah. all of the teams, yeah. but growth can really really just suck the life out of you um, because you're constantly then hitting new plateaus and trying to exceed them. You're having to add staff, which adds complexity. You need to add product contractors, expenses. Um, there's a lot that comes with growth that that can can lead to uh, burnout or, or other actual fiscal disasters. But the burnout component is an important one. We talk about it a lot. But I think that growth is one of those places where we we don't attribute enough um, emphasis in terms of its its role in generating that level of burnout. And part of the longevity of the business is simply the founder continuing to want to do it. Right? We we forget about that. But like there are points where you get so burnt out, you're just like, you know what? This thing's still growing. I don't want to. I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm I'm worn out. I'm tired. Um, and it's sad because in, in so many cases that growth was fairly arbitrary and it could have been thrown right. back and it just isn't. Um, and, and again, like that can lead to the, the premature death or closure of the business or, um, having to do a harder reset and, and maybe cutting back more than you otherwise would have had you course corrected and made sure that you were kind of at the right configuration for that right time. I think it's important, Ryan, too, that the, the team understands 
that sure. uh, there are different forms for different times. I think, you know, if, if you were to say to the dev team, you say, hey, you know, you had 14 developers, now you have eight. They're going, oh my God, you know, we, we, we can't do anything with eight. We had to have 14. It's like, did you? <laughs> yep. Right? I, I mean, to be yeah. fair, because you were building stuff when you had two. Why does it have to be 14 now? Right, I, right. I, I think it's it's important that we help condition folks that what was isn't what always has to be. Right. You know, like, like uh, yep. we had a giant office before. It doesn't mean we always have to have a giant office. We had one back then because we were closing huge enterprise sales deals. Now we're not. So that's not what we're right. doing. No, we're not um, doing that. I think emotionally, it's, of course, hardest for, for the founding team. Right. Because sure. uh, you know, we believe uh, uh, I'm projecting. I believe that if, if we let go of people that I've I've created some failure to the team. Right, and let go of people could be even contracts that we cancel or anything else like that. And it's really hard for me to 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 break out of that and say, you know what, we're doing it because things are constantly changing, and we need to adjust to those changes, or it's going to sink us. Um, but 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 it's hard to deliver that message, and it's hard to um, get the rest of the team to see it as uh, evolution versus just some negativity. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think going back to your your example around the dev team, I think that it's really important in these phases where you're you're looking at needing to scale things back that you talk about how the work will scale back as the people scale back or as the budgets scale back. Um, because I think that the first thing that everybody reacts to is we're getting smaller, we're cutting something um, that feels bad. Um, and they just assume that they're going to have to continue to do exactly the same amount of work, the same type of things. And it's, it's almost never possible, right? If you go from 14 devs to eight devs or seven devs, um, you're at least looking at extending your timelines, right? If not cutting sure. out projects entirely. And so I think that, you know, as you have to go through this, being clear and communicating, you know, that everything's going to scale back together, right? Like it may not just be as simple as, oh, well, we just, you know, get 50% as much done now. Um, but it's sort of that simple, right? You just have to scale right. the the efforts to to kind of meet the new situation. Um, and and again, like we're in the middle of COVID right now, and we're we're dealing with a lot of folks cutting back, right? You know, we've we've made our own adjustments. Um, we have clients making adjustments. We have contractors making adjustments. And um, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what that new configuration is. And and it's not all in your hands. That's what's been interesting. You know, as as some of our contractors have had to change their level of input um, and and or cost based on on their situations, we've had to adjust too. So it's it's not always in your control and of what, when, and how uh, things scale back, but uh, always important to consider the, the new context and figure out, you know, what's the configuration now that we need to be in um, and be clear with the team and make sure that you get buy-in, as you said, around, you know, here's the new context, here's what we're going to have to get done. Here are the new restrictions around doing that. Um, but here's the good news. We're also dialing back our expectations a bit. And then, I, you know, I think we've done a good job communicating that. You certainly have, have done a fantastic job in this uh, current crisis um, communicating that to the team and sort of letting everybody know, like, look, we all need to pitch and do what we can. Um, here are some of the changes uh, in, in terms of our budgets, in terms of, uh, you know, what we're, what we're hoping to accomplish. Um, and I think as long as you communicate those two things hand in hand, um, it's, it's far easier for the team to absorb and, and to get on board with. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that, by the way. I, I think the, the, the benefit, once again, that we have is having been through this before, we kind yeah. of understand that you can have a, a spike and a trough uh, back to back. Right. Yep. If this is the first time you've ever built a startup, 
you probably don't realize that, right? You probably don't realize. You, all you think of is, hey, I'm in year four. Everything's been going up and to the right. And now all of a sudden things have hit a wall. I guess this is the end. And it's like, man, if you haven't done this for long enough, you don't understand. That's not really the way this works. Um, yeah. You're going to hit peaks and valleys all along. And this just happens to be a valley. And do you know how long it's going to last? Of course you don't. But you didn't know how long the peak was going to last either. The, the, the thing with the peak is we tend to not pay attention when we're in a peak because things are good, right? You know, uh, you don't scratch and itch you don't have. But when we're in a valley, it's all we can think about is how long is this going to last, right? Because right. there's only so, so much time that you can last, uh, you know, in that capacity. I always make the analogy that uh, someone that goes to the blackjack table can win forever, but they can only lose once, right? Um, you know, you, uh, the, the good times can flow forever, but the bad times do have a bit of a stopping yes. point. They and sure so uh, I think being able to see a bit of a long view um, on behalf of the founders is tough to do because you haven't done it before. This is your first rodeo. So again, you're three, maybe four years in, which is a long time by startup standards. And now all of a sudden things hit a wall and you're thinking to yourself, shit, you know, what do I do from here? And the yep. answer is you, you lean up, you circle the wagons and you get ready for the next phase, right? And that's, that might take a year or two years, doesn't matter. That's just how this goes. It's not always up and to the right. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the 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 wrong move there when you see the wall appear is to continue to drive headlong into it, right? And I, I think right. you've you've said this somewhere, which is that failure is the wrong configuration, right? And I think that's that's perfectly put. Um, if you see yourself heading towards that, it, you know, it's incumbent upon you to, to make some changes, right? And if that means scaling back, if that means changing direction, you got to do those things. And of course, that's easier said than done, right? It's easier to say like it, nothing appears like a wall in startup time. It's not like, oh, well, there's the wall. Let me just go around it. Never quite that simple. Um, right. But I think that the, you know, because we're talking about this notion of longevity versus growth, the right configuration for the right times, um, and then hitting these points of failure, it's important to remember that that scaling back isn't failure because I think sometimes people look at that as two sides of the same coin. It's like, okay, we can either push ahead to what looks like imminent danger or we could scale back, but that's failure too. Uh, and they treat those two things like they're the same and, and they absolutely aren't. There is no shame, none whatsoever in right-sizing a company to make sure that it can be around, right? Uh, there, there is something wrong with hubris that leads you to just drive straight into that wall, right? And say like, look, if we're given these two choices, which is to scale back and to, to undo all this growth and feed into the sunk cost fallacy that, you know, we've done that and now it's ours and we earned it and we're going to keep it. Um, and drive ourselves off the cliff, that's just, just dumb, right? You wouldn't do that if you could lean back and see that that's what you're doing. Um, but that's often the case, right? People get stuck in that decision uh, matrix where they think scaling back is failure. I'd rather fail while moving forward. I've actually heard somebody say that. I'd rather fail forward uh, than, than scale back. I'm like, are you actually fucking kidding me right now? Because that doesn't <laughs> sound like something that the rational person that I know you are that built this great business would say. Um, and yet you hear stuff like that, right? And, and, and again, it comes from, comes from a bit of pride, comes from this sense that, you know, growth and up and to the right is the only thing when you do. It's an experience thing too, man. For sure. For sure. But I wouldn't say that it's limited to that either, man. No, no, no. I agree with that. Uh, like that, that, that short story that I, kind of vignette I used at the beginning of this where I said, hey, yeah. I had the experience of kind of pulling back and seeing what that could do. Well, you only need to get that experience once to understand that that is a viable option, right? Yes. Um, and, and I think aside from like cataclysmic events like what we saw with, with COVID, I also think there's just a lot of moments in time 
where the business feels like it's hit a massive failure point. Often things like a huge new competitor just jumped into your space, right? Google's yep. offering what you offer for free. Um, yes. Or uh, a huge enterprise client just pulled, right? And you're going to lose a third of your revenue. You you name the issue, right? Um, and I think at that moment, we were like, shit, you know, uh, we hit this point. There's no going back, et cetera. And what I would argue is a, a, a smart founder and a smart executive team will stop and say, look, this is going to suck. So th there's no there's no sugarcoating it, right? You know, like, like when you hit these points, they do suck. It's one of the, the hard parts about being a founder. It's a hard part about being a leader in an organization, but it's part of the job. And I think that the, the smart and focused folks will stop and they'll say, okay, yes, this is going to suck, but it's got to happen. It's got to happen fast, and we have to try to advance past the um, layoffs or reductions or whatever we have to do and get the team back focused on um, on growing and surviving. Um, what That's not how it goes, though. What happens is, instead, folks start focusing on uh, how do we delay this for as long as possible, right? Because it's painful. Yeah. Yep. You know? It is. And, and, and we, of course, we want to avoid it. And so... We end up uh, taking this tact where we say, "Hey, let's you know, let's avoid it. Let's uh, let's hold things off. Let's burn through uh, cash reserves that we probably don't even have. Let's you know, rack up debt, etc." And it burns us every single time. Yes. Uh, but if you haven't been through this 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 process before, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to know that, right? You just you look at it as things are going great, and now it's failure time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons this podcast is so important is that we, we've we been through so many of these things before. And there are so many of these things that until you face it firsthand, you would have no no understanding of this. And I know that some of it's hard to absorb by proxy, but I hope some of this does come through. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think that um, I think that having not been through it before uh, can be a, a, a huge, huge negative in terms of your ability to understand that, yeah, it's okay. We will be here next year if we do this now and if we do it fast. Um, on the other side, just to, just to play the other side of the coin, um, I have definitely seen, you know, multi-time founders, experienced folks, um, give their gut more, um, attention than it deserved, um, and give their own like past experiences, more experience or more, uh, more, more benefit of doubt than they deserved and plow forward thinking, you know what, I've been through this before. I've got this. And even that can lead to a little <laughs> bit of pride and hubris and drive yeah, yeah. right off the cliff, right? Like, you know, I got this, the, the, this little, this little thing can't stop me. So always, always really important to just step back and, and, and remeasure. There's no harm in recalibrating the business. There's no harm in taking time to measure and kind of what's the current situation and how well are we matched to deliver our, our, our value promise in that context. And I think that's where most people get it wrong. And that's why they, they have a hard time doing what you said, which is, you know, like to do it fast, you know, sometimes it really, you know, sucks to have to pull that bandaid off, but we all know the faster you rip that damn thing off, the, the less it's going to hurt. Um, and it's important to be around, uh, into the future. I just went through, um, a, a process with a couple of founders here locally, uh, who are in the travel industry, which is no not problem. an awesome place to be right now. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just like, it's the business went to zero. I mean, actually yeah. to zero, it's very rare. The business goes from, you know, you know, healthy and thriving to full zero. There's usually some kind of a decline, but in this case, because of the situation, these guys went to zero. Um, luckily they've been running a great business for years and they, they managed to build some cash reserves. Um, and so they were talking about how to spend those. And, and the, the discussion started with, well, how long can we just continue before we run out of money? 
And I was like, well, hang on a second, guys. Why do we want to run out of money? <laughs> like, what can we start cutting right now? And they're like, well, we don't want to make any rash decisions. I'm like, your income is zero. Like you've been handed a rash situation, time for rash decisions. Um, and we eventually kind of got around to it, but you know, it, it was it was for all the right reasons, right? They were concerned about, about staff. And we said, well, okay, let, let's make a plan for that. Let's do whatever we can to make sure that you take care of your people in every way that you can. Let's cut every possible expense that you can. Let's look at everything you can do to right-size this. It's a super weird situation. So for a period of time, you're going to be running a really weird business. And that's okay. As long as you're there, when it comes back, travel's not going away. It's just gone for now. Um, and so it's super important that they're poised to come back. And that means reserving that cash and being ready to reemploy people and do all those things when the time's right, uh, but not before, right? And not to simply say like, well, okay, let's divide our available cash across our burn rate and say, well, let's hope this lasts for less than nine months because that's how much cash we've got or 15 months or whatever <laughs> it is. Um, right. Wrong answer, guys. Wrong, wrong answer. So, yeah. I think that for the, the founding team, founder, what have you, the key here is not only to know internally, you know, in your mind, you're kind of emotionally that we have to, to make this thing smaller, change the form factor like we've been talking, et cetera. I think the other key is to also communicate that to the rest of the team. You see, yes. we know, we've seen the numbers, right, Ryan? Like, you know, we know why the business should be smaller. Chances are the rest of the team does not. In other words, they know no. something's wrong right? You know, they, they saw externalized events happen. They saw we lost a client, et cetera. But they're missing two really important pieces of information. The first piece of information is how bad is bad? We, we lost right. that big client, but what does that really mean? I think in the absence of information, uh, people make up really weird shit. And I think if you let that fester, <laughs> yes, it never do. ends well, right? I've never seen somebody make an accurate guess about how the business was doing when you didn't share any information with them. So the, the, the more information, the better. Nor have they ever given you a more favorable potential outcome than, than the actual one, right? Never. No, no, absolutely not. No. Um, people tend to believe that the business has tons of money in the bank and and I guess we'll just start spending that and it's never the case. Um yeah, obviously. We just sell one of the yachts and we covers we cover salaries. That's the way it works. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the the second component um is that we have to say here's plan B. Here here's where we're taking the business going forward. Yep. Here are the milestones that we need to hit as a company and here is the way forward. Here's how we get back on to, to good times again, you know, whatever good times looks like for us. But again, I want to emphasize whenever we make a change, good or bad, it only works if we take the time and the diligence to figure out exactly how to point the entire team, not just the management team, the whole company in that new direction. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at Startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer, from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.